You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a special edition of the Drive Time Podcast, we are going to be talking all things Zach Thomas. We're going to hear his speech from Canton in its entirety. We're also going to welcome on Seth Levitt from the Fish Tank Podcast here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network to hear his favorite Zach stories, boots on the ground in Canton, and much, much more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and get to my guest first here from the fish tank, somebody who was very close and continues to be very close with linebacker Zach Thomas, my man, Seth Levitt. And joining me once again, I think he might be the leader in Drive Time appearances, half of the fish (laughs) tank, Seth Levitt with one T. Seth, you're out in Canton right now, man in the hotel room after a long day on Saturday. How you feeling, my friend, and what's what's going on? Feeling good, Travis. I, I like that. Am I really the leader? Is that possible? Could I be the leader in drive time appearances all time? Well, I either Mike McDaniel might be, but he's not actually been on the podcast. It's just his voice. Um, yeah. but as far as actually talking to me one-on-one directly, it's it's probably, <laughs> you're probably up there. You're one of the top guys. It's either you I or mean, one of the good top company. guys I have on every year. That's really good company. So I, I'm honored. I'm honored. But no, everything is great. I mean, this is uh, this is a magical town, and and there's no more magical time to be here than on Enshrinement Week, and certainly to be here for one of the Dolphins' all-time greats and somebody that that everybody in Dolphins Nation was was waiting for this opportunity and to be here and to to sit there and see the speech and see all the guys and and the reaction and see all the Dolphins going absolutely nuts. Uh, for Zach. Um, yeah, it was, it was indeed magical and, uh, I'm loving every minute of it. I'd like to touch on all those points here in just a second, but I thought it was pretty fitting, Seth. We had a lightning delay at the, at the scrimmage or the practice on Saturday at the stadium. And the delay literally occurred about three minutes into Zach's speech. It's almost like the football gods were saying, Hey, you, you guys owe your attention to someone else right now after years and years of waiting. And and we got a chance to watch him on the big screen. So that was pretty cool to see. They had it running for us up in the press box. They had, I think they ran it uh, on the jumbotrons after the the practice had ended. So uh, yeah, it's just really cool. I don't know if you saw this. I know you're a big Jeff Wilson fan. We just tweeted it a few minutes ago, uh, recording this podcast on Saturday night. Uh, Jeff Wilson took a seat on the field. And again, it was not pleasant outside in South Florida on an August afternoon. And he just sat there and watched Zach's speech after practice. Pretty cool scenes, man. Wow. Doesn't surprise. I mean, you know, we got to know Jeff a little bit just for the time he spent in the fish tank and what a special individual he is. And I liked him before, but after you telling me that, I like him even more now. That's really cool. I figured that would be the case. And uh, one guy that we, you know, I, I told you and Juice last week the story about kind of, you know, meeting Zach back in uh, at DCC back in February and, and yeah. him remembering my name and how just how special that was to me. 
Um, that's the kind of impact this guy had on people. And I thought that was pretty evident in his speech, but you were there, you were in Canton. We're going to talk about the scenes in Canton and also Zach's career, but I want to get your reaction to the speech because who better than the press conference consigliere <laughs> and someone that knows Zach as well as anybody to just give us the, the, the takedown here or the rundown here, I should say on Zach's 12 minutes. Did he go over? Was there tears? Just give us the entire, uh, the entire reaction. You know what? I didn't time it. I'd love to see. I thought about it afterwards because I was caught up in it. I was caught up in the emotion sure. <laughs> uh, and I just was really caught up. But I, I wanted to see if he did come in on time and it felt like he did. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, right? Nobody prepared more than that guy. If he said he was going to get it done in 12 minutes, then I have to believe it was <laughs> damn near 12 minutes on the dot. But I will be curious to find that out once they throw it up there on YouTube, if it's not already up. Um, were there tears? Yeah, he did get emotional. I, I will say if I were a betting man, I would have lost my shirt because I thought, I thought he was just going to just cry and be a mess throughout <laughs> the entire thing, but he was so ready for it. He was amped up. You know, they've got a great shot out of him behind the scenes where he came running out there. Uh, was like a rock star getting ready to go perform. Um, it, you know, he was emotional, but he just was controlled and he knew what he wanted to say and he wanted to get those points out there. He was very grateful. That came across in the speech. Absolutely. He was he was incredibly grateful. But he did get emotional, particularly when he started talking about his family, as he knew he would. He mentioned his brother, Bart, and, and uh, he had to compose himself for a minute there because I think he knew he was going to start talking about his siblings. He was certainly going to talk about his parents and, and his wife, Ritz, and the children. And, and I think that that was probably the part in the speech that he was anticipating was going to give him the biggest challenge of, of keeping it together. So he did get a little emotional there. And then, uh, I mean, a really special moment towards the end, I think, for any of us who, who had the opportunity to work uh, with or around Junior Seau, when he talked mm -hmm. about Junior, who was truly a guy he idolized and became a, a great friend of his, uh, I think that's where it all just kind of came out. And it was at the end of the speech as well, Travis. So I think that it was a combination of what it meant to be standing on that stage in that moment and to to be a teammate again uh, of his friend, Junior Seau. But also it was like, I think he kind of knew that the speech was coming to an end, you know, and it just it just all started to pour out there. Uh, and a really special deal for him to say, I love you, buddy, because uh, Junior called everybody buddy. I mean, that was his whether he knew your name or not, you know, you were buddy. And uh, so I think that that was that was a special moment for him. And, and clearly it came that came out that way in the speech. Yeah. I tell you and Juice all the time, I'm a pretty emotional guy and the tears come pretty easily for me. And I don't know how, if you're the same way, Seth, and I, I, Zach is this way for sure, because we had a chance to see it at his press conference uh, over in Miami Gardens. Uh, it was a week and a half ago or so now, two weeks yeah. ago, maybe. Um, but when he he would just look at his kids and he would kind of lose it. And I, when I see somebody else do that over their family, it gets me the same way. And so I, I just couldn't handle it most of the time. And seeing him him uh, tear up got me a little bit. And then at the Hall of Fame game, uh, when he was doing his interview during the third quarter at some point, you know, he yeah. he lost it. And, and the interviewer was kind of saying, here comes the tears. And like, that was pretty much every guy they talked to. And I tweeted it after that, like, Zach's not making it 30 seconds into this interview or into the speech. before. He <laughs> I didn't think he had a chance. He did. Yeah, I did not think he had a chance. But uh, if there's anything anybody has said about him, certainly I have uh, even here on one of my many, many, many appearances on drive time um, is that, you know, he's he's an emotional guy, but he's also very prepared. And so he I just love that he even revealed in that presser that you talked about that he was studying yeah. ways <laughs> to not cry. 
you know, so he had picked up all of these techniques. And so you knew he was trying them all. Right. But um, yeah, who can, who can stare at a grown man crying and not get emotional themselves? Um, I think there's something about that. And especially when it's this person who is this, you know, the image of toughness and football and, and all the things that Zach has represented uh, and to see him uh, to, to get that emotional and to, you know, um, to be overcome with tears. Uh, you you got to feel it. If you don't, then, you know, he probably don't have much of a heart. Yeah, that's, that's put really well. What what he said his technique was going to be was looking at people's feet. And so I, I had never heard that before, actually. So maybe in future public speaking situations, I can use that same trick as well. And it looks like it serves Zach very well. And like you said, it's just so fitting that we had this expectation of the guy, just like everyone had an expectation for a fifth round draft pick, not, you know, usually, right. you know, on average, those guys don't make a huge impact in the league, but Zach obviously put himself in a very special uh, company today, landing in Canton and getting that gold jacket and getting the bust. And what a, what a cool moment that was and cool for all of us to see him give the speech and, you had a chance to be up there in Canton to watch this all unfold, be there all weekend with a bunch of crazy Dolphins fans. Set the scene for us in Canton. I know Dolphins fans waited for this for a long time. I thought it was awesome to hear him talk about the fans' push to get him into Canton in the speech. Uh, so yeah. I have to imagine the fans there in Canton were well represented and just kind of going crazy a little bit. Yeah, I think the place has kind of been overrun by Orange and Aqua, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, I got in pretty late last night, Travis, or I'm not sure when you're airing this, but uh, I got in pretty late Friday night, delayed flights and so on and so forth. But I saw when I landed that a group of Dolph fans were in the, the, you know, the room with all of the busts. And basically, like, took, literally took over the Hall of Fame. And they, you know, they were singing the Dolphins fight song. And, uh, you know, it was fantastic. And so I land, you know, I don't know, 10 something. And we get the rental car. We get to the hotel. Next thing you know, it's 1145. And I'm, I'm checking in. And there was another guy who was just finished checking in. He turns around. And I was wearing a Dolphins T-shirt. And he says, you're a Dolphins fan, huh? He goes, you guys were like everywhere in camp. And, and I just had to laugh, you know, and, um, and, and, and that was the case. Uh, it was really cool to get there. There's wonderful pictures and I'm sure everyone will see of just, you know, just groups of dolphin fans, whether they were in the stands, whether they were just walking around the hall of fame, whether they were, uh, you know, hanging over with signs and all of these. So it was, it was fabulous to see the support, um, went to grab something to eat in the, they've got a Shula's all American kitchen here, which is great, you know, on, uh, on the campus here of the hall of fame grounds. And I walked, in, walked in the door and the whole place was filled with Miami Dolphins fans. Like it was, it, it was just so fitting. Um, and it just shows you two things. One, that we have an incredibly passionate and supportive fan base and two Miami Dolphins fans love Zach Thomas. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, I'll go back to my my Mariners fandom in baseball here. When King Griffey Jr. got in, we knew it was going to be first ballot. We knew he was going to be damn near unanimous. But Mariners fans could not wait to get out to Cooperstown for his induction. It, it kind of sounds similar in terms of just the, like you mentioned, you know, the MetLife takeover, like the Canton takeover for Zach Thomas's Hall of Fame induction. And it's just so fitting because we did wait so long for this. And it, it just almost feels at this point now like it was a perfect time to have it happen because, Man, uh, the team is looking good right now in 2023, heading into training camp, or, or I should say, into training camp, heading into the season. And and Zach got to come out and be at practice, and it just all all good feelings right now are in the Miami Dolphins, and that makes us feel good. Obviously, let's go ahead and take a quick break right here and come back on the other side and wrap this thing up. Seth Levitt, my guest, say from the Fish Tank Podcast, your host Travis Wingfield, Drive Time Podcast, brought to you by Auto Nation. 
So we left off on the other side of the break there talking about the scene in Canton, the speech by Zach, which, like Seth mentioned, was just a home run, knocked it out of the park. What else would you expect from a guy that his entire career was putting Cheeto prints all over notebooks because of how much he studied and just didn't really <laughs> think about much else besides football all the time? But let's talk about Zach's career here a little bit. Juice, juice. I just said juice. How about that? That's okay. He's Amazing. here in spirit. You've been called worse, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been called a lot worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> My man. That's pretty Seth good company. Here. <laughs> talking about Zach's career and we we've had this discussion before, but uh, if you could again, Seth, just kind of tell us what Zach's career meant to you both as a professional and as a Dolphins fan, because you had the unique experience that we, you know, we're privileged to have these experiences where we're diehard fans, but we also get a chance to know these guys in more of a professional setting as well. I want to hear both sides of that from you in terms of Zach's life and football career. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking about this. I was talking to my wife about it on the flight up. I mean, I, I, I spent eight years working for the team prior to, to joining, uh, you know, forces with JT to start the, his foundation. But, you know, my first year is 1996 as an intern and we draft Zach Thomas in 1997. We draft Jason Taylor, you know, for me to work. And there's so many other great players, right. That were associated with those draft classes and, and that time period that I was there from, from 96 through uh, really through the 2003 season into the 04 off season. And, um, it was, it was a real honor and privilege, but to, to be able to be there for the last four years of Dan Marino's career. And then the first seven slash eight years of, of Zach Thomas and uh, Jason Taylor's career, pretty lucky, man, pretty fortunate to be around it, to watch the way those guys work, to watch the way they grew into their professionalism. Um, and uh, certainly the things they did on the field, but also the way they managed it off the field, building friendships with those guys, the character that they had, the leaders that they were, uh, it was incredible. And so, um, you know, for Zach to, to be able to have this moment, a moment that he's earned, a moment that he deserves, um, and to listen to that speech and some of the things were stories that I had heard and then some of the things were moments that I was in some way, shape or form around for, uh, it was um, it, it was awesome. I used the term magical at the beginning of this interview, and and I think that's that's the word that I would use and apply it to. And and I just uh, again, Zach and I are roughly the same age. We started in the NFL at the same time. His contributions to the Miami Dolphins were far more significant <laughs> than mine were. Um, but it was neat, man. It was neat to be able uh, to be around that. And as a young guy in the organization, you connect with guys that are your age that grew up listening to the same music, that watch the same TV shows, because generationally. Um, you know, you're aligned. And, uh, and then, you know, our jobs required that we had to work together. Um, so it was, it was amazing. It was amazing to to watch him. Um, I think I told the story maybe here on drive time before, but I, you know, one of the first interview requests he got as a dolphin, I was at that point in time, Harvey didn't, uh, you know, Harvey was focused on Jimmy Johnson and Dan Marino and not the, and the other starting players. And Zach was a fifth round draft pick that typically a kind of guy that wouldn't make the team. And uh, he got a request from Lubbock, Texas radio station. And I got to set up the interviews, one of the first ones that I did. And and just remembering him kind of wide-eyed and doing that interview and uh, and realizing that there was something special that connected him to, to you know, that Lubbock station, which obviously was a Texas Tech legend. Um, and so that, you know, here's a guy even at a fifth-round draft pick, but he still meant so much to, to his hometown slash his college town. Uh, I, I just had no idea, though, that, you know, two weeks later, Jack Del Rio would be cut. He would name, be named a starter. And two weeks after that, he was knocking Sean Jefferson out on national television and, and setting the stage for a Hall of Fame career. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool thing to be around, Travis. 
it's cool to hear you mention him in Lubbock because Ricky Williams did an interview with, oh gosh, I forget who it was, but he was talking about playing against Zach as a freshman at Texas when Zach was a senior yeah. at Texas Pat Tech. Pat McAfee, and, I think. I think that was Pat McAfee. I think it, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Pat McAfee. And he was just talking about how, like, you, you saw Ricky's face. Like, I don't think the words did the same justice that his his facial expressions did in the interview when he was like, this is a guy. We we couldn't believe it watching on tape. He was around the ball every single play. And that's yeah. just who he was as a pro as well. And just real quick, Seth, I'd be remiss if I don't mention this. You mentioned the word magical. If this were a fish tank episode, it'd have to be Zach Thomas or, I guess, Seth Levitt magical because uh, it's a perfect way to put it for, for for Zach's career. And it reminds me of the Andy Cohen piece up on MiamiDolphins.com that he wrote about tackling greatness and and Zach wasn't supposed to be here and just keeps on defying the odds. And, and man, it's so cool to see. And you also said something else that I think is is a really cool, you know, I, I guess opportunity for me to, to take it to the fish tank here because you've talked before about, you know, guys that come on the fish tank. Rashad Jones is a good example of that. Guys that are kind of generation connectors in terms of, you know, the last attachment to certain memories of Dolphins and Dolphins fans too. And Zach to me kind of is that because obviously for you, Seth, like you grew up on Marino and like obviously those awesome teams in the eighties and in the nineties. And for me, it was more about, I always talk about the golden era for my Dolphins fandom, those early 2000 years. And you turn the TV on as a Dolphins fan in sixth grade from, you know, the Pacific Northwest back in 2000. And you know that 54 is going to have like 16 tackles, probably going to have a pick or a forced fumble or some type of game changing play. Like he just, you knew exactly what you were going to get from Zach Thomas. And I think you can't say much more about a guy than that, that just the reliability and the expectation was always met with Zach and the way he, you know, I just think that he did that for so long that you can appreciate yeah. him on the front end of the career. And I can certainly appreciate him on the back end of his career. So that's kind of my uh, segue into my, my last question for you here about the fish tank appearances that Zach has made because we're up to two now, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Two. And I think he's, he's pretty much let me know that that's all I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had two, we had one of our first ever interviews with the fish tank. Uh, four years, five years ago was with Zach. And then um, we finally got him back in. I, I think he was waiting to get that call. And once he did, uh, we, we were able to get him back in. And we did it in the new Dolphins locker room. And, and it was a lot of fun. Well, you keep the people wanting more. I think you do a good job of that. And, and Zach does a good job of that too, because, you know, like I, I, there's been a few times like, maybe I can get Zach on the podcast. And it's like, no, don't make the ass because that's Seth and Juice's guy. They know him better. It's a better conversation with them anyway. And, and uh, he's, he's, you know, he's a, doesn't do a ton of media. So I like just having a chance to hear him on the fish tank and uh, man, you guys had some good moments with him. What do you think is your favorite moment going back over those, those two episodes? And I'll, oh, I'll talk a little longer so you can think about it here, because I know there's so many, there's just so many moments with Zach and the stories. And you can almost even go to the other podcasts that guys have done with you guys where, where they tell you stories about Zach Thomas. Maybe it's one of those stories. Personally, Seth, to me, it's the Cheeto story again, the Cheeto dust yeah. and the light switch, because this guy yeah, the Jason so, Cole story. Just yeah, just so involved in everything football, and it, it consumes you. And I think it, it does for the greats that he couldn't even bother to to wash his hand because he just didn't think about that in the moment. So that's my favorite one. But do you have a favorite fish tank story from Zach that you can relive for us here on the podcast? Yeah, I I think so. And it's funny, I um when he had the press conference, Dave Hyde was getting ready to write something, and he, and he said, "Hey, do you have a good Zach Thomas story?" I'm like, I, you know, where do you want me to begin? Uh, I mean, I've just got so many and. And um, so it was tough to kind of just pull one. I like that you're giving me 
at least some kind of a boundary here where I got to pull from the fish tank episode. So I'll try, you know, if I reflect upon it, those two interviews were very, very, each of them were very different. The first one was really just remembering funny and wild stories. Um, and, uh, and it was great from start to finish. <laughs> the story from his rookie year, you know, here we are, the guy just went in the Hall of Fame and I'm going back to this story. But the story of his, from his rookie year where a group of veterans, uh, OJ tries to deny any culpability here. But from, for OJ, Dan Marino, whoever else was in that room, when they sent Izzo and Zach streaking outside of the Rolling Hills uh, hotel onto the golf course there. That is a hilarious story. Um, the Dolphins did a wonderful job getting some animation made from right. that. That was just that was just fabulous. So that's a that's a fun story of just remembering how um, how silly but how beloved those guys were as rookies. I think from the most recent interview, the the what the um, the memory that I have is when Zach talked about the rush. That, that he got from preparing like no other and then seeing those moments that were in the darkest hours of the film room come to fruition on game day and the rush and the high that he got and that it's something that could never be replicated and he misses it to this day. That was a moment in that interview that I was like, man, this is this is the stuff that you talk about lightning in a bottle that you just can't you can't capture that. You can't create that. You need somebody with Zach Thompson's credentials to sit there and, and spit that out for you. And then you have gold and people tell you what a great podcast it is. It's like, man, I, all yeah. I did was, the only thing that I did was I was uh, fortunate enough that I got that guy to say yes. And, the, and then you saw, you saw some of that when he was there and the Dolphins content team did that incredible job of pulling him into the theater. And he watched some of his favorite plays and, and told you what was happening because he relives those. He remembers them as soon as he sees them. You press play and he remembers every bit of it. And it's just incredible. It's how could you not love football or how could you love football and then not love hearing one of the all time greats sit there and break it down for you and diagnose everything that was going through his head um, in a way that nobody else was able to do it. Yeah, and I, by the way, those that that video on YouTube has outperformed a lot of content. So I think Dolphins fans have certainly gravitated towards that video. And if you haven't checked yeah. out the Fish Tech episodes, I, I can't imagine you haven't if you're on this episode. But make sure you go back and check those out as well. Seth, thanks for your time today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Travis. And away he goes. Let's go ahead and take a break right there and come back on the other side. And here's Zach and his speech from Canton. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Presenting Zach Thomas for enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame coach Jimmy Johnson. Thank you. Exactly 27 years ago today, 
August 5th, 1996, Jimmy Johnson named me the start middle linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. All you need is one chance, and Jimmy gave that to me. I was a kid who didn't look the part, and I was 154th draft pick. Where'd Coach go? There he is. Hey, thank you, Jimmy, for believing in me and giving me that chance. I never wanted to let you down, Coach. I always wanted to prove you right. Your passion and fire got the best out of everyone, and especially me. 27 years later, to this day, look how far we come, Coach. Love you, man. I start with thanking God, who had his hand in all of this. At two years old, I was run over by a pickup truck. But you know what saved me that day? Dirt. If it was on concrete or pavement, I wouldn't be standing here right now. My life has taken a lot of dirt roads to get here. And one of those dirt roads led me to White Deer, Texas, population 1,110. In 1988, White Deer High School won a state championship led by Coach Wendy Williams. This is where I learned how to win. To those White Deer teammates and coaches, thank you for teaching me how to get here. Another dirt road took me to another small town, Pampa, Texas. That's where I learned from great coaches and great men like Dennis Cavalier and Max Plunk. Max Plunk taught me a read that he drew up on a napkin. That read got me labeled instinctive and smart for the rest of my career. Academically, I wasn't ever labeled smart, trust me. I got held back before I even got to kindergarten. How you get held back before you even get to school, but. On my, my next road took me to the cotton fields of Lubbock, Texas. I was recruited to Texas Tech to play fullback, but there was this guy by the name of Bam Morris who I knew I couldn't beat out. So I went back to the defensive side of the ball. How crazy is that? Thank you, Bam. I'm humbled to be the first Red Raider inducted into the Hall of Fame. So thank you to the late Spike Dykes, John Goodner, my fellow Red Raider teammates, coaches, and staff. I will always be grateful for what you did for me. Wreck them. <laughs> Coach Mike Westoff, I see you. You flew from Miami to good old Lubbock, Texas to scout me. And I thank you for embellishing my stats, and especially that 40 time. <laughs> You're a great friend, Mike. I left those dirt roads for Miami and there's no other place I'd rather call home. So thank you to the late Wayne and Marty Hazinga, Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel for keeping this organization family and first class. To all my coaches who challenged me every day and prepared me to play my best. The late George Hill, Joel Collier, Randy Shannon, Jim Bates, Bob Sanders, George Edwards, thank you. Dave Wanstead, Dom Capers, Glenn Pyers, John Gamble, B. Rowe. You all made me better. To my teammates, Trace Armstrong. I respected your play and professionalism. 
Your character was a first-class example of a man I aspired to be. Larry Izzo, I'll see you too, Larry. Yes, sir. My day one roommate and best friend. We came in together as undersized long shots and created the best memories, laughters, and stories I will take with me forever. And you finished with three rings, man. Real jerk. Don't you be wearing those rings to my party tonight, man. Tim Bowens, yes, sir. You're one of the most underrated and unselfish players I've ever known. You are a bad man, Timbo. And there was nothing more reassuring than seeing your big butt in front of me on Sundays. And I played with the two of the best cornerbacks in the game, and Pat Sertain and Sam Masson. Talk about making my job easier. Yes, sir. Dan Marino. Your talent and toughness are the reason they call you the man and the legend. Love you, Dan. Jason Taylor. I was honored to play beside you. You're the best and most intense competitor I've ever played with and father to my awesome niece and nephews, Isaiah, Mason, and Zoe. To all my defensive line and linebackers who did all the dirty work and I got all the credit, I am forever grateful. The linebacker room was full of unselfish guys like Dwight Hoyer, Derek Rogers, Robert Jones, Channing Crowder, O.J. Bergantz, Moreland Greenwood, to name a few. Love you guys. I also want to thank the entire Dolphin organization for being my second family. Stu, Ben, Seth, Tony, Fudge, Harvey, Father Leo, K.O., Joe, Charlie, and especially my man, Troy Maurer. You were my family for 12 years, and I can't thank you enough. Drew and Jason Rosenhaus, you, you are both more than agents to me. You both are hardworking, relentless, positive, and loyal friends. And to all my passionate Miami Dolphin fans, you mean the world to me. When I looked up in the stands and saw you wearing my number 54, I knew I couldn't let you down. Thanks for believing in me until the very end and even putting pressure on the Hall of Fame to get me here. Here we go. To all the Buffalo, New England, and New York Jet fans. Hold on. I got it coming for you. Despite all the things you screamed at me, threw at me, and did to me, don't tell anybody this, I really enjoyed it. And I still do. Hey. Yeah. The rivalries are what make the NFL so great. Bill Belichick, it was a privilege to play against you and your team. Kevin Mawai, you're one of the best and toughest opponent I ever faced. And I'm not even feeling real comfortable with you sitting behind me right now, man. Look at him over there. But I'm so relieved to see you out of that ugly green jacket and wearing a gold one. It's nice. God blessed me with a Hall of Fame family. My greatest influence in my life are my mom and dad. Both are God-loving parents who instilled hard work, the Catholic faith, and compassion for others. Mom led with love, kindness, and a whole lot of discipline. Dad taught me toughness, respect, and how to compete in everything. 
Even the races in the front yard that I never won. But Dad, you jumped the gun all the time, man. Stop. He's smiling. <laughs> my brother Bart, you're my hero, man. Oof. We battled in everything, and you won everything. Your pursuit of greatness led me to do the same. When everybody else was out partying on Friday night, you and I were in the school gym working out and listening to cassette tapes of Houdini, Nucleus, Cameo, and LL Cool J. We wore those cassette tapes out, man. That was awesome. Love you, bro. Katina, you have always been our family cheerleader and party starter, bringing positive vibes to everyone you meet. You're like the spirit of mom. Love you, sis. Most importantly, I want to thank my beautiful wife, Maritza, for not listening to her brothers when they told her not to date an NFL football player. It's true. And both of them got my jersey on right now. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Babe. Yes, sir. Babe, we've been together 20 years now, and I thank you for your love and support always. You're the strength of our family, and I'm grateful to share this moment and life with you. Love you, babe. <laughs> to my kids, Christian, Valentina, and Sienna, there's no greater honor than being your dad. I've gone from doing everything I could to reach my dreams to doing everything I possibly can to help you reach yours. And never forget that I love and believe in you unconditionally forever and ever. Whew, I got, got through it. To, all, to the Hall of Fame committee and people of Canton, thank you for your hospitality. Jim Porter, Hayden Dennis, thank you for treating my family and friends like royalty. To this incredible class of 2023, Congratulations. But there's one person whose name I've yet to mention. His poster hung on my wall in college, and he was everything I wanted to be as a football player. He was my inspiration, and he became my teammate and friend. Though he's not here physically, he's here in spirit and in a bust in that building behind me. I'm truly honored to join him. Junior Seo, love you, buddy. All right, here we go. In closing, this is a dream come true for this small town country boy to be standing here on this stage with all these legends behind me. My football career has come full circle from August 5th, 1996, being given that one chance to August 5th, 2023, being forever enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, baby. 
I mean, how good is that? Zach Thomas speech killed it, knocked it out of the park. What else would you expect from him? Thank you again to my guest, Seth Levitt, today. Check out their podcast, The Fish Tank. That's going to be my time today. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday for the joint practices against the Falcons. The practice recap there, as we do every single day. The Dolphins are on the field for training camp. Don't miss that. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and follow me on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with my guy, Seth and Juice. Also, the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, Drive Time, and Fish Tank content. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron, daddy's coming home.